Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. So my guest today for the Cappuccino is a lady who was born in New Plymouth. She was a journalist. She was a starting cadet reporter at the Dominion. She moved to the United Kingdom in the 70s and worked in several magazines there. She's a mum to two boys, Sam and Rob. She wrote television scripts, current affairs for National Radio in New Zealand and was a guest on the Beauty and the Beast television show even. On January the 21st, 1983, Sam, her nine-year-old son, was run over and killed. And a cat called Cleo came into her family life. She's a mum to Lydia. Uh, she was a feature writer on the Sunday Star's Time. Uh, she was divorced. Uh, she then won a Huffield Press Fellowship to Cambridge University, became a mum to Catherine, and wrote a book called Cleo about the black cat that came into her life after her son's tragic death, which was published in 2010. It sold over 2 million copies. It's become a New York Times bestseller, and it's been sold in 17 different languages. There was a Cleo movie in development, and after Cleo came a book called Jonah, and... Uh, also uh, another book about another cat called Bono and she's just written a children's version of Cleo called Cleo and Rob dealing with the incidents around Sam's death. She currently lives in Melbourne with Philip and her cat Jonah. Uh, she's also a podcaster she does a great podcast called Novel Therapy with a lady called Kate Fennessy and she's also a bit of a part-time blogger as well so my great pleasure to introduce author, journalist and mum Helen Brown to the show. Uh, she's listened to the podcast, so she knows what's coming. So I'm going to give her a pop quiz, so to speak. <gasps> oh no! Here we go. Five random questions for no. you, Madam. Yeah. Who plays Helen in the movie? Oh, I have no idea. If you had your ideal choice, any oh. any actress from any. They're all too young now. I mean, I I love Meryl Streep, but the movie Helen has to be about thirty years old, and they're way too young. Scarlett Johansson. Well, even she's getting a bit long on the tooth. Ooh. Okay, all right, we'll just let it go on that one yeah. then. I'd love, i tell you who I'd love, a highly talented young New Zealand actress who's looking for a break. There you go. That's right. who I'd love. I've got just the girl for you. Thank you. All right, no problems. What's the last book you read for pleasure? Oh, I, le- I read a lot of poetry for pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I'm also... Currently reading one called the Surrender Experiment. That's quite good in a cop car, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's I Surrender. Yeah, yeah. By Michael Singer, and it's actually about surrendering to every moment in life. But if you did that too much, you'd end up in drugs and a gutter. Yeah, probably. You? Yeah, or so, a doormat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. there's something in between. Not but, wrong. But not turning down coincidence and good opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. like you said just now, let's write a book. Hey, let's write a book. There you go, yeah. Look, and having just listened to no- Novel Therapy, the last episode, <laughs> I know all about coincidences. Yeah. And I tend to think they're kind of true as well. That's interesting in your line of work. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you have to wear a T-shirt with one word on ah. it for an entire year. What's the one word? Learner. Oh, I love like that. That's good. Who does Helen go fangirly about as an author? Like, if you met oh. any author, who would you go, oh, <gasps> at? I've had a couple, but I can't ever go past David Sedaris. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he's gay, he's camp, he's hilarious and very sharp and wounded, and he writes about his real life. I love him. That's good. Uh, And finally, apart from your own, obviously, because all authors are biased, we know you are, the best kids' book written 
oh. ever is what? Winnie the Pooh. Ooh, I grew up on it. My yep. mother read it aloud to me. It gave me a great love of voice and animals and character. Yep. And Apparently kids don't like it anymore, but Disney got hold of it. Yes, that's true. And I'll never forget the look on my nephew's face when I told him we were going to have a game of poo sticks on a bridge. <laughs> oh, I know. The, the terror in his, voice, <laughs> in his face was just hilarious. Uh, anyway, um, do you get lots of people wanting just to come up to you and give you a hug? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, usually the reverse. Yeah. People start to tell me their stories, and it gets to a point with some of them where it's beyond words. Yeah. And we just have to hug. And often it's actually men who aren't as articulate yes. as women about their emotional pain and sometimes that's all there is yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah there i mean like i often say this to people uh, and particularly men when i talk to them about mental health if you watch any action movie hero there's always a lull in that action hero so even people like rambo have mental health issues so oh, i bet he's got a lot of mental health oh, i bet he has and yep. what were you saying you you were worried about how men were looking at you on the plane reading cleo oh so i read you showing your soft side oh no look to I, had a, men. I had a gentleman on the other side of me going what's your book that you're reading and i said oh this book cleo i'm and only doing it for research no 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 I, i'm look honestly i've sat and read the uh tuesdays with maurice and Oh, yeah, like a baby a on a plane book, yeah. and all that type of stuff. And he said to me, oh, what's that about? And I said, well, it's about this lady's life. And I told him, told him about the events that happened and the cat coming in. And he's like, oh, okay. And I think he looked at me and was like, why would any male be reading that book? I said, you should actually read it. It's really interesting. He said, what do you mean? I said, uh, it's a really good process. And he said, what do you mean a process? And I said, I said, well, I'm a police officer. And he went, oh, okay then. And all of a sudden it was... Kind of all right, it was a bit freaky, but anyway. Oh, I know, he was just scared of you. Yeah, who knows, yeah, yeah it might have been a haircut. Um, <laughs> when you wrote Cleo, what was your original goal with it? Gosh, now, I think it was to try and make sense of what had happened mm-hmm. 25 years earlier mm-hmm. when my nine-year-old son, Sam, was run over and killed, and I think it takes a long, long time to make sense of a tragedy. And then it takes an even longer time to try and turn that into something that might be helpful to others. And honestly, you know, if you're going to have shit happen, I think that's the one you can let it just, you can implode and Mm -hmm. let it destroy you. Yep. Or you can become neutral and silent, or you can somehow try and use it to help others. Yeah. And sort of isn't that what makes you want to be a cop? I know you're into physical, physical. (laughs) <laughs> and all of that and that must be a draw card for a lot of young virile women and men thank you very much for su- even suggesting that i was young and virile but yes those days have sadly gone but anyway carry but on yeah here. you must surely be driven by a desire to help people oh definitely. you know and just yep. driving past that big fire down in auckland this morning seeing the cops and the firemen and women at their work and just thinking we have got heroes among us uh i go with set of people we're not heroes, but we are lucky enough to work with some. I'll well, that's you, very I'll let you figure that out. That right, so like some kind of ancient group. <laughs> um, when you finished, Cleo, had it, had your goal changed somewhat? No. But well, look, I, my goal, and another as a writer, mm-hmm. as a journo, yeah, my goal was to sell five thousand copies in New Zealand. We'd moved to Australia; no one knew who I was there. No one wanted to publish the book much. No. Um, and I just hoped and prayed that some of my wonderful New Zealand readers might buy it. So that was my professional goal with it. 
17 languages later to me and copies like, mm, good work. The, but yeah, the Te Aumuta hasn't brought all those 2 million copies either, can I say? What about after one year of release where obviously it was beginning to gain momentum, people were starting to buy it, it's becoming a bestseller, people are talking about it. What were your thoughts then? Were you, because you know how sometimes when you, you do something, it, it's, a, it's a release for you, and it's like, oh, that's nice. And all of a sudden it goes from being something nice to, I hope that helps somebody, or wow, that's actually really helping people. Mm -hmm. so, so what was, after, a year after release, what were your thoughts on the book? Well, I kind of, this might sound like a cliche, but it was kind of humbling. I was invited to all these wonderful book fairs in different countries, and I remember going through the streets of Vienna one night when it was really dark, going to actually speak in a beautiful little room where Mozart had performed, but I didn't know that that's where I, where I was going to end up, but I could hear these footsteps behind me, and the oh, this is a bit odd, and they're getting closer, and I thought, I'll stop and pretend I'm looking in the shop window. They stopped. And I did this bit more. I was starting to panic a bit. So in the end, I turned around, and there was an old guy with sheets of paper. He said, Miss Brown, he said, will you please sign my paper? You know, and I thought, you're straight. Yeah. And you think, why? And you think, it's because we all have pain. Well, that's it. Yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, the degrees vary throughout your life. And we're not very good about talking about it. We're not very good at sharing it. I think we're scared of other people who are going through tragedy, but we can't understand what their pain is or that they might bore us to tears. Exactly right. Or <laughs> help me, can I get out of here because this is a little bit awkward and I'm... Yeah. I don't, yeah. Or, or I might catch it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not wrong. So um, we need to be a bit more open about it for it to become a more normal part of life because it's not one of us gets out of it. No, exactly right. Um, now, one of my other podcast guests and a good friend of mine, a lady called Dr. Fiona Penwa, did her thesis on 25 key fears of New Zealand kids and surprise surprise one of them that came up was death. Mm. Um, in novel therapy in your podcast in your last podcast with Kate <laughs> you said that communication is one of the biggest issues and you're right it is. Um, why do you think it's such a taboo subject for one adults and then two kids it's almost like this lie we tell to children that uh, you know, everything's going to be fine and it's a big happy fairy tale and blah, blah, blah. Why do you think we do that? Well, we live in a death-denying society. Gee, you ask deep questions. Oh, it's not You're bad. better than most journalists. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're the third journalist to say that on the record just quite. Yeah, I think you've found the wrong vocation. No, that's what they show. Get but out of your journalist proof jacket. <laughs> Have you not seen my notes? They're in crayon, Helen. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. they're very good. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, we do. People just don't like to even think that their life might be finite and it does jag us up to live the wrong way really you know we get hooked into just routine and not really realizing that we're as fragile as the leaf out there on that bahuda carpet tree mm -hmm. if not less fragile in case you're listening some of my other listeners in australia who are longing to hear this we actually are in a car <laughs> but it's not a cop car and i don't think it's got a siren no it has definitely got a siren oh, can we, can yeah no not now oh, but no. we'll do it later yes no we definitely will <laughs> and look the thing about kids is parents have got more and more protective you know and in the olden days dad used to spread ddt over the yes, vegetables yep. and where you lived in new plymouth and we used to run through this orange stream that was Agent Orange coming out of the factory there. And, you know, we kind of survive. But now, 
I'm gluten free too though, but you know, you just have to say, oh, that, that my kid's gluten free, allergic to this, we're so, you know, we've got a shelter, mm. let alone confront that they might die one day or one of their friends might not come back from the school holidays one day. Yeah, exactly right. And we started and started reading the book to school kids, no, young kids in Australia, and it's so interesting. They're tired of being patronised. Yeah. They're really open to reading a story about a kid dying. Yeah, uh, and the good news is I'm going to take it on a little bit of a mini tour with me. And oh, thank I'll get you, you. I'll get my, I'll, not only will I get pictures of me reading it, but I'll oh, get Kiwi kids to write the reviews and we'll write straight to you and say, Oh, please do. I'll Helen, write this back. is what we thought to it. Thank you. And yeah. I, look, I'm, I, kids are tough critics. Oh, yes. Don't I know it after three television series. Yep. Oh. I didn't like the second one, but the third one was quite funny. Um, in <laughs> Cleo, you mentioned not being able or wanting to open the door or tell the story to another person. Uh, in your experience, what's the best thing we can do for somebody who suffers from extreme grief? I'm, I'm not going to say I'm lucky, because uh, I've had extreme grief in my life as well. But of course, anyone role, over 40 has, haven't they? I mean, you're obviously 25, but... Bless. You know. Yeah, yeah, good work. Yeah, um, that's a walking advert for Specsavers there from Helen Brown. Yeah. So, um, what's the best thing? Because like, I, I'm lucky enough to, I will go to situations where there's extreme grief, and obviously oh, no. now I'm a mature police officer. At the end of the day, I get to walk away from it, but it's still there with me in some small I know, way. I know. Um, but what would you do if if the roles were reversed and you had to deal with somebody who was suffering? From extreme grief, what's the best thing you well, think you, you can do? Well, it's worse for you guys because you have to actually deliver the news, don't you? And that's why I was so interested in your previous guest. Did you say his name was Rob? Rob, yep. And that was one of the reasons he left the force was the stress of mm -hmm. dealing with people's grief and death. And you know, when I listened to that, my heart went out to you and him and all cops and thinking. I wish you didn't feel like that because that is the most valuable thing you can do to us, to the community, is to keep doing that work because, you know, like Kate, yep. her, her mum jumped off a motorway bridge 20 years ago, yeah. killed herself, and now, 20 years later, she's desperate to meet the cops, yeah, the ambos, that, yeah. the people who scraped her mum off the road. and. For, I was angry with the cops who came to the door of our house 40 years ago, but now there's nothing I would want to do more than meet them and thank them. You guys are our family. You're part of our story, yeah. you know? I, and I did think it was quite good that they, in there you put, I think, if I remember rightly, you thought that the cops were, they were young, obviously, um, and probably then they were. And probably scared out of their brains. Yeah, and also embarrassed, which I thought was quite interesting as well, because very often it's, Unless you reach a certain maturity level, it's it can be kind of embarrassing. Cause how like do you, say, you, how do you do? You pull straws, or are these the cops that have seen the dead body that come to the door? No, literally, it's it's like being the like being a journalist. Your editor flicks you the story and says, "Sorry, Helen, where you go? Off, off you go and do that one." Yeah, there's one of those things. I'm not going to say it's the luck of the draw because there's certainly no luck in it. That's for sure. But so. I think it's important for cops to realise no matter how we respond at the time when you give us that news we are still human you're still human we're going to be woven together eternally oh, yeah. because you're in that moment yeah, with definitely. us yeah. Yeah. Um, and look I'll be honest I've been laughed at, I've been slapped um, I've had an invitation to drink a whiskey um, Yeah well so, that yeah. did you say yes? Surely you did 
Uh, no, I didn't because I was on duty, and, oh. but it was Christmas Bay, okay. so I did say to him, look, <laughs> you have a whiskey, I'll have a cup of tea. Point, so. Oh, you're very true to uh, Yeah, I've got to be, unfortunately. Um, uh. As is always, communication is the best way to help anybody with mental health, right? And there's a really poignant scene in Cleo when you're thinking about, well, you actually, you're not thinking about it, you're about to swallow some pills, and your bathroom door opens just a little bit, and you see a black ball coming down the crack. Now, Cleo comes in, and you sigh, and now like, Many uh, attempted suicides or mental health issues that I've been to as a police officer in my 23 years as a police officer. Yes, you're right, I joined when I was two. Um, people say to me, if it wasn't for the dog, I wouldn't be here because I thought to myself, oh my God, nobody's going to be walking my dog tomorrow. Mm. Or the animal has come in just at the right stage. You're about the third or fourth person I know where an animal has come in right at that stage. Mm. Do you think it's... Coincidence, no. or do you think they've got a sixth sense about They're it? They're tuned in. Like yeah. My brother died of cancer a few years ago, and he had this old English sheepdog. That dog lay on the sofa with him day and night. The dog knew he was dying. And we had a dog at the time when Sam was killed. That dog lay across Sam's door for about three days. You see it on telly, don't you? Yep. Dogs beside the yeah. coffins, they know. Yeah, and we very often get it with police dog handlers as well, oh, where they will basically refuse to leave the coffin yeah. because of the fact. Yeah, that so. bond they, they must have. Yeah. yeah, I was watching last night cops and dogs. Oh, yeah, go. good work. Yeah. Right now, as you as good you work. Write, oh, I feel so good. I've never been in, even though it's not a real cop car, it is and a real I cop wanted car. to be arrested. Yeah, you know, I can't do that. Do for you. you know, when I was a little girl, I wanted to ask you this. Go. In Woolworths, when I had a really bad friend called Leslie, and she we went shopping in Woolworths, which was like open slather to naughty girls. She made me steal a rubber an eraser and we nearly got caught because I was so guilty and I went home and the store store person stopped us and said what's in your pocket and I said nothing I went home and I felt so bad I ate the rubber what would you do now I still live with this I told my granddaughters and they think I'm really bad no 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 it's incredible the number of no that's what you guys no 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 it's good that's good honestly it's amazing the number of people who come up to me and say I did I know you can't do anything about this but 25 years ago, I took this, and I'm like, I okay, are you, are you cleansed? And they're like, yeah, I said, are you happy? And they're like, yeah, I said, have you lived a long and fruitful life? And they're like, yeah, I said, have yeah, you... Yeah, but it's shattered like that. Yeah. What would you do if I got caught? Would you have taken me to the station and told I'm me Probably, I'm, now I'm thinking, you, you, bring, you bring being only parents? 26, I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably guessing that, yes, we would have rung your parents, or the store would have rung your parents, and then there would have been a bit oh, of a stern telling off. Yeah. I would have got in up in Borstal. Oh, I don't know. Like, you'd be amazed at some of the parents and some of the amazing ways that they get their kids to atone. It's quite, quite clever. Well, anything would have been better than eating that rubber. Well, yeah, probably, yeah. Who knows what that's done to your digestive <laughs> system. Um, as you wrote, uh, you were tapping into a great source of healing, um, and then the letters and the cards oh. started coming in by the hundreds, and people had lost their own kids. Mm. Um, and I love this. People who love kids... Lose their kids, sorry, in dreadful ways, and they're always dreadful, can survive. Mm. Do you still subscribe to that healing process? And um, if it was to be any different, and if you were writing to somebody, mm. what would you think you'd want from that person if you were writing to them? Because honestly, I know you probably didn't have the time to answer them, or you probably wanted to desperately oh, but I do I try to answer all of them yeah and if I haven't answered it's purely because I by mistake or yeah. my computers let me down because every single one of those 
emails is needs important. and answers. Yeah, you're yeah, not wrong. Because it's actually one of the, well, particularly pre-internet days, there were very few ways of finding people who understood what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And when you finally do meet another parent who's gone through that depth of loss and pain, you often meet someone who really knows how to laugh. Yeah. Who really yeah. knows how to love exactly. life because they know how tough life can be. Yep. And you know how passing it is. And, and you know, in some ways, to honour the life of the person who's gone, you've mm-hmm. got to live it to the full. That's it. You have, you have. And not be just a nuisance. Try and find some way to help other people. There, you're exactly right. Now, funny you say that because maybe the key to healing isn't found in books, tears or religion, but an affection for small things and a flower, the smell of dark, dark, damp grass, or love for a kitten, which was obviously helping you embrace the world again. Do you, when people meet you, do they talk more about their pets or more <laughs> about healing as a general rule of thumb? Or because, like, I'm I spoke to somebody I know who quite likes cats and said, Oh, that sounds amazing. Now, I'm not going to say she's a crazy cat lady, That's but the second right. I said, Oh, it's a, a book about a cat, she's yeah. like, Oh, I've got to read it. Yeah, it's yeah. all right. You can be a crazy. There shouldn't be a stigma about that. No, you're right. There shouldn't be. Um, so, what I do you get? Do you get, do you oh, get? I get both. both. And look, I get people in real grief about their cat or dog dying. Yeah. And it's genuine grief. And it should be because they're a member of the family. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. And I, it took me a little while to actually understand that. Mm-hmm. Because I'd, I'd sort of sift the emails into different categories and think, well, this is, they've lost their kid, this is, re- I've got to really spend time with this and help this. And then I slowly realised a lot of these people who've lost their cat or their dog, it's been their only family. Correct, yep. And they've had funerals and, you know, coffins and goodness knows what. Yep. So yep. all forms of loss are legitimate. That's it, yeah. I don't have any dramas with mm. that whatsoever. Great joy doesn't obliterate grief. Both can be encompassed at the same time. Yeah. Right? And it must be a roller coaster of uh, emotions for you, especially when you've got, like, you've obviously you've written Cleo, and I'm not going to say it's been and gone, because when the movie comes out, it will be there again. With the launch of Cleo and Rob um, coming out, obviously there'll be what I call shadow creep coming up again for you, probably, no doubt. You know, that's interesting, actually, writing of children's version of Cleo, which Cleo and Rob is, was in some ways more emotionally challenging than writing the book for adults because I had to distill all that emotion into, I think it's about 1,500 words. It's not many words. No. And it's like making it into poetry or not that I would regard myself as that much of an artist. But I remember walking along the beach and just thinking, oh, why have I done this again? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm ready. My grief's very old. My scars are old. Yep. It's fine. Yeah, and that, oh, well, that's a good thing. What do you do when you feel the shadow creep? Like, you've listened to the podcast. You know what I do and what Robert... You Robert go and punch did. things. Yeah, well, I don't. He does. I what wrestle you, things. You I do jiu-jitsu, so I wrestle same things. Thing. Yeah, pretty much. But, uh, I mean... Very male. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is, yeah. It is. But by the same token, I also meditate and everything else. Do what you? Do you? Yeah, I do. That's what good. do you do? To like, if your shadow starts creeping, what do you do? I let it pass. I've nice. got to that point. Yeah. And I think that's a thing, a mistake we get that's particularly prevalent at the moment. People get a, an anxiety or a bad thing and they cling on to it and it becomes bigger and bigger until they don't know what to do about it and it's going to explode within them and you can almost see it in people. Yeah. Feel it, 
but don't deny it. Let it pass. Pass, yep. Cry yep. if you need to. Feel it. It's gone. Yep. If you're meditating, you should know. But I know what you're dealing with in your daily life. Yeah. You need to do a whole lot of meditation. Yeah, uh, yeah. unfortunately, it's not that much. But mm. hey, look, it, it sums better than none. Well, no two griefs are the same. Nobody understands suffering like those have been there. Yeah. Uh, do you think that you can truly prepare for it? The grief? Mm, no. I mean, like, we all know that, like, for instance, we'll, we'll use an analogy of our grandmothers are always going to pass before we are, hopefully, you never know, but yeah. in certain circumstances they don't. We know that, but can we ever really prepare for no. it? No. no. I remember when mum was dying, you know, thinking, oh, mum, you know, she was really brave and sorted out about dying, very spiritual in her own way. She was nearly 80, so that was fine with her. She was looking after us as she was dying, our mental health, and I thought, this is fine, I'm going to cope. She died devastated, and yeah. I still miss her, you yeah. know, and I still look for her, you know, and I think, oh, Mum, are you with me on this trip back to New Zealand? You must be, because... Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, we're multifaceted. We're not just physical, even though no. you, I know you and your mates go... Oh, yeah, no, things. no, you're right, though, you are. There's many different levels to different people, and for some people, it's just sitting in a sunroom, reading a book, and going, actually, you know what, I'm really just a, a human version of a cat. I'm living in the moment. For other people, it's maybe having a glass of red wine or something else. But you've, like you say, you've got to find what works for you, I think. But I think sometimes we don't, as, and again, it's that taboo of death thing, we don't prepare as well as we should. No, and that's why I think we should all open up the discussion. Yeah, know? yeah, definitely, yeah. Look, yeah that, we've got the Cascadeers coming tonight. To, yeah. yeah. And I think they're a great example. I don't know if your listeners are aware of them. Um, yep. A Maori yeah, yeah. husband and wife funeral mm -hmm. director team. And they do such great work normalising grief and loss. Mm. Yep. And I think that's so valuable. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, people think I'm morbid because I've got my funeral sort of almost planned. Have you? Have you right got right your coffin? The, oh, no, I haven't, but I know exactly what it is. It's changing all the time. What do you want? I want a TARDIS. Oh, you don't. Yeah, you've got to have a TARDIS when you go on a big adventure. So, so you're going to be standing up? No, I'm just going to be lying, oh, lying down, but down, I don't look like a TARDIS, yeah. Have you got someone to make it? Yes. Great. Yeah, so there you go. So there's the start. Good on yeah, you. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, so anyway, uh, let's think, where are we up to being here? Being at peace. I think that's a lovely yeah. thing, being at peace. Yeah. And you know, I think the other thing people fear a lot is getting old, and I'm getting quite old now, and it's lovely. I love, I love being this old, because yeah. I'm not... Nowhere near is worried about the impact I'm having on people or no, what no. I'm wearing off my, you know, it's yep. so liberating. What is it? Less, less worried about the trends and actually more worried about yourself. So that's nothing wrong with that. Or just being part of the flow. When Cleo started to take off as a book, what were you thinking? Because it's, let's be honest, it's every journalist's dream come true is to become a best-selling author. But to become a best-selling author out of fairly horrific circumstances like yours... It's sort of a nightmare turning into a dream, turning into a nightmare type scenario. Yeah, I guess that's life. I guess that's digging deep into your own story. I think I look back on journalism and as a training school for it, probably. It helped mm -hmm. me to write very simple, succinct sentences. Yep. And, you know, some people say, oh, what you do is so simple, it's so easy, isn't it? You know, and I just think, well, no, it's actually yeah. kind of 40 years of training. Yeah, exactly. To write that very simple sentence. Yeah, and you want, and for me, when I read Cleo, it was almost like I was 
almost standing behind you or just talking to you about different stuff because you articulated it so well. So, oh, thank well you. Done. Thank you. Uh, Rob isn't that little kid anymore, despite what people read when they read. <laughs> I, it must be quite funny because I'd imagine that people are like, hey, do you have pictures? And you show them a picture of Rob and he's like married with his own children. Yeah. And they're like, ah, yeah. So <laughs> encapsulated in that. But how do you think a book like Cleo and Rob would have helped him wow, at the time? Because I know he was... It's fascinating. Yeah. It's been... Look, this book has already done its work as far as I'm concerned personally, Cleo and Rob, because Rob is now 42, his daughters are uh, nine and seven, and he's got a lovely wife. But he never really talks about Sam. No. And um, I sh asked him permission to write this children's book. He said, yeah, change the subject. And then I showed him the roughs of it. Yeah. And he looked at them and said, okay. And I thought, oh, goodness, you know. And then I said, will you say a few words when we launch it in Melbourne? And he said, yeah, all right. So I deliberately asked a bookshop near where they live. Yeah. So that wouldn't be an excuse. He came, and I thought, he's not going to speak. He didn't answer my texts. <laughs> he came, he stood up, he gave the most heart-rending acknowledgement of what it was like to be a six-year-old boy and mm -hmm. see your brother killed on the road. Yep. And his wishes that this book might help other kids like yep. him. This beautiful book, he yep. called it. And it is a beautiful book, because Phoebe Morris from Wellington beautiful young um, illustrator has done such a great job. Yeah, she has. And I'm going to ask you some questions about that later oh, on. In fact. But you know yeah. that, I mean, that I was rendered speechless. and I'm You're even tearing up a bit, aren't you? Or no, no, just, it's, it's just the, the way I look normally. Yeah, it's the oh, sun. I've got some red eye drops. Oh, you know, you're good. That's all good. What does he think to all the attention? What does Rob think to the attention? Because, oh, my kids. Yeah, my, you know, I mean, and like... my poor husband. Yeah. yeah, you know, when the movie comes out, when the book scouts... Um, well, hopefully we'll all be dead by the time the movie comes <laughs> out. It's been in production for 10 years now. Oh, I know, look, honestly, mm. it takes forever with oh, movies. How do you know that? What, movies being yeah. produced? Because I have a kids' TV... I used to have a kids' TV programme here. Oh. Um, and one of the episodes we actually did was on death. Oh. Yeah, so I'll, I'll send you a copy. I'd love to see yeah, that. Yeah, no problems. Yeah. Oh, so, so well, how, does he, how does he deal with the attention? Because obviously people are looking for that sort of little six-year-old boy and he's no longer that so he's got some luckily he can remain he's anonymous. well armored he's well yeah. armored and my kids look i was writing columns here in new zealand for i think 40 years and i remember writing a column when i was in labor with one of them and you know i mean i was never far away from the keyboard writing about our lives mm -hmm. and so they grew up breathing the fact that they were probably going to be written about Into whatever a story. Yep. <laughs> so they're quite and you know I, it took me years to work out one at Kath, our youngest, found out that the Tooth Fairy wasn't real because she'd started oh. reading a column I'd written about oh it. Dear. She was devastated. Yeah, that'll do it. And then for years, I realised actually they think nobody reads what I write. That's what it is. Yeah. So they're used to it. I did like your description of the room with the journalist because as you went round and said the journalist, there was a, two out of the three or four that you described. I went, oh, that'll be such and such. I knew the last names because I used to read the columns. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah, so there you go. So... Obviously, you said it was harder to write the kids' book because it's a bit of a taboo subject and it's not an easy sell as opposed to something no. like the cat, cat in the hat. No, but that's, I like being on the edge, yep. especially at my age. What have I got to lose? And look, already I've had people contact me from Brazil, from the US and Belgium, each one in copies Fantastic. sent to them because their family's in need right now and they want a book that's going to give their kids hope. Great stuff. 
Can't so already that. it's done its job. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, like you say. People look at you and you say, oh, she's kind of got it all together now. And do they? Well, I think maybe I've, they do. Oh, rubbish. No, I think... I'm falling to bits. No, yeah, but you say that, but, the, you know, they'll say, oh, look, she's a best-selling author and she's got this and, like, she's doing, like, the stuff that you do on novel therapy, you sound... I sound authoritative. You sound almost enlightened, I was going to say. Oh, so really? I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It's just because Kate's so much younger than me. Yeah, I can lord well, it over her. Yeah. And it's just. Hi, Kate. <laughs> yeah, and kind of almost in, empowered, but you say in, in the book, it's great. Empowered. Empowerment sounds wonderful, but frankly, it's not everything. Uh, even though a witch might seem to be in control of her life, she's got a diligent stalker, and it's called loneliness. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I'm actually quite a lonely person. Yeah. I think a lot of writers are and writing is one way I uh, connect with people. Mm -hmm. I think I'm not terribly good socially. I'm either too loud or too quiet or, you know, yeah. I feel too weird. Yeah, that's all right. Um, do, you have <laughs> to ta do you have to take the time though to step off, like after you've done this, after you've done the press tour throughout New Zealand and the launch and everything else, do you actually have to take the time off yeah. the carousel and stop for a while? Yeah, yeah. I heard you were trying to get a holiday out of your husband on your, on your podcast. <laughs> But I thought that was Kate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I no, the way I you do. I do. Look, honestly, I live very quietly. Yep. And, um, you know, I'm pretty boring in my life. I don't do... I mean, apart from those wonderful few years around Cleo, where I was at every second book fair around the world, it seemed. It was a bit loud, though. Yeah. I was happy to turn the volume back. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah. And to come back to New Zealand and be near my roots. Yeah. See my sister in Taranaki. I was going to say go back and visit the mount. Yeah, yeah the mountain. Yeah. My in-laws are from New Plymouth, so I know what you lot are oh, like. Oh, yeah. it's yeah. that mountain. Yes, it is, yep. So also seen as Mount Fuji in The Last Samurai yeah. with Tom Cruise just quietly. Oh, yes. So there but you go. Fuji's actually quite a lot bigger. I, they invited me up to the tsunami region of Japan to talk to kids and people about death as if I was qualified. But uh, one of the things I noticed on that trip is how much bigger Fuji is. Mm. But anyway, I won't tell anyone. Oh, no, no, it's all good. Yeah, don't tell them. Yeah. They, they, they don't want to know. No. What do you Same think effect. Sam would have made out of all of this? Oh, gosh. I don't know. He was a bit of a show pony. You know, when he was about two, we were going through a walk. We did dug up all the cemetery for the motorway in Wellington. Mm -hmm. We were walking through all these gravestones, and I remember he stopped one day, and I didn't think he could read. And he was pointing at this headstone. This is stuff I've never told anyone mm -hmm. outside of it. And screaming and howling and tearing his eyes out. And I said, come back, come back. And I put it and it said Samuel, Samuel yeah. on the headstone. Yeah. Did I put that in the book? You did put it in the oh, book. Oh, God, I feel I don't put it in there. Yeah. So I don't know if there was a sense in him. Yeah. He, he was an old soul. Yeah. But I like to think that I carry him around with me. Of course you that, do, you're his yeah. mum. Yeah, yeah. Mate, mate, at the end of the day, you're, you're his mum. It's like, yeah, yeah, and that I carry some of his wacky humour and, um, you know. Although I know you're not wearing a Superman watch, that's all I'm going to say about it. No. Yep. So, Gosh, hey, look. I didn't put that in the book. I did put that in yeah, the book. Yeah, no, you definitely did. Oh, yep, trust you me, you definitely did. Yep. How long did it take you to read? Oh, I'm going to say three days. Oh, I'm, I'm a quick reader, though. Yes, you are. Uh, do you get the jitters now when you see a cat? Because look, let's be honest, Cleo, Bono, Jonah, it's like, hmm, okay. And every time these cats come into your life, it's like, ah, I'm either just had a tragedy or I'm going to have one. It's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did, I did, I was explaining your story to my wife and she was like, 
oh, oh. why doesn't she just like keep budgies or something? <laughs> you'd be like, you'd be putting out cats all the time, yeah. So. Do you think they're bad omens? I don't know. No. Well, I mean, really, for me, cats are a metaphor yep. for life, for healing. I use them as a metaphor mm-hmm. for healing. And for some people, it would be music, it might be nature, could be God, could be family. Yep. Music, yeah. So that's really where cats are. Yep. I don't think I'm about, I know some people who do have kind of altars to cats in their houses, that's okay. But I don't think I'm in danger of no. going that far. No, no, I mean, that's all right. Or having 15 of them in the one well, spot. Well, look, I'd, I'd, I know some people who have 30 and they're fantastic people and they look after their cats beautifully. I'm in awe of those sort of people. Yep. But I'm, I find it hard enough to keep my own act yep. together without having 30 cats. I fully there. understand you. As the owner of a 19-year-old cat, yes, I oh, understand you. Yeah. Yeah. How is, do you nurture that cat or do you treat it with disdain? Oh, no, I nurture, nurture them. And strangely enough, his name is Zen as well. So oh, there we go. You're a bit of an old Buddhist. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. But given your run-ins with Buddhism, we won't get there. Um, I know. I think I'm more of a Buddhist now yeah. than, I, than I ever was, really. Well, that's the thing. I mean, people look at Buddhists and go, oh, they've got it so together with death because they'll very often say, well, you know. And I spoke to a uh, Buddhist priest who was dealing with a police department, and he said... Um, Oh, look, the way you have to think about it, and he said, this isn't hor- being horrible about it, he said, but everybody you meet is already dead anyway. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And he said, some people look at our culture and think it's wonderful, he said, but what they don't tell you is that when somebody passes away, there's certain sects that will take those people up to the mountains, hack them with a the meat clipper yeah, so they're yeah. in quarters. Or feed them to the birds. Well, yeah, and yeah. the cycle of life continues for yeah. them. And it's like, some people go, oh, but he said, in actual fact, and I was like, hmm, okay. It's all good. Yep. Now, as I told you, and as we've sort of kind of touched on before, um, I was getting some extraordinary looks from the male passengers on the plane. <laughs> so I'm not going to ask for an edited version of Cleo with perhaps a man's cover on the front of it, maybe. Really? Yeah, what no, would I'm, that be? A I don't know. Put a, a tiger bikini. on it or something oh, instead. Oh, a tiger, something Yeah, rather butch. than a cute little kitten. Because a bikini would be very <laughs> sus. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Why do you think men are so crap at talking about issues like death and grieving? and what's actually going on in their life and that type of stuff. I think you might be better equipped to answer that than me. No, but what have you seen from your observations? Well, I do see that men wear armour, emotional Mm armour, and it's very hard to crack that. And I think as I get older, you know, I've I've had a hysterectomy and my eggs out, and so I'm basically gender neutral. I've only got one (laughs) proper breast. So now I see men, I'm much more closer, I think, to men and women, and I can see why it's hard to be a man too. And part of it is all that stuff you buy into. My husband, Philip, worships the All Blacks. So I was dreading that you are going to ask me my favourite sports team. And all I know is that he worships the All Blacks, as does the entire nation at the moment. Beautiful, Something's happening yeah. in Japan yeah, exactly, at the moment. Yeah, I've yeah, got yeah. no idea what it is. But those guys have to be really... Yeah. Have you got any gay All Blacks yet? I now look officially on the record, I can't... You don't know? I don't I mean, know, you know yeah, no. And I wouldn't... I mean, my brother was gay. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. It was such a hard gig, especially in his generation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's hard, isn't it? You're, you're as in, trapped in your role as women have been in their high heels and, you know, boot yep. jobs. Too so. true. And I think the sooner we kind of get comfortable with our differences yeah. and go actually you know what it's okay oh, human that going, might might be a little yeah. bit better 
And well done, you, you awarded the question there perfectly. Oh, what was it? No, oh, you no, didn't. No, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I'm right. So now you're a columnist, the blogger, podcaster. No, I'm not a columnist. I haven't got any columns going No, on. but you're bound to have something up your sleeve. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Um, and uh, a podcaster. And yeah, I've only been doing that for... Ten episodes. That's yeah. pretty good, though. Is it? Yeah. We're just having a little break now. Yeah. I do like the laughter. And like I said, Kate, I am free for a podcast. Oh, FYI. she's so hot. Uh, kids all You'd love Kate. I, I like her laugh. She's good fun. She's gorgeous. Um, what's next for you, do you think, after think, after Cleo and Rob? I think a good lie down on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Don't you reckon? Could be a good start. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a thousand ideas, but I think I'll just lie on the beach and see which one. Pops up. Yeah. Because I think if you try too hard, you make the mistakes. Yeah. And I look, honestly, I feel I could die happy now I've written this book for children yeah. because... I think it's useful for somebody. I know it's been useful already. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. yeah. Without a word of a doubt. Yeah, fantastic book. Um, I'm so pleased. Thank you, because you, you know. I'm get, well, I'm going to be reading, like I said, I'm going to be reading Cleo. I want Cleo and, yeah, yeah, I'll give them to you. That, Thank and you. honestly, our reviews, like you know, are, they're brutal. Yeah. Because pretty much I'll say to them at the end of the class, it's like this. It's a three-way ranking system. It's either a thumbs up or in the Great. middle. Or thumbs down. Great, and so, you'd read it well. I think you'd so. Read well, it well, thank you. Yeah. Mm. Um, now, like I'll be reading it to the kids I visit. What do you hope that kids take from Cleo <laughs> and Rob? What do you like? What? I the main thing I hope. Yeah. To any normal kid who's not going to have this happen in their life is kindness. Yep. And so that when some other kid in school goes through a terrible time their parents splitting up or being bullied or anything that sidelines them as a freak, which Rob is terrified of being yep. sidelined as a freak by other kids, that they will step forward and be a bit more compassionate towards that child. Mm -hmm. I also hope, I know New Zealand's had a terrible year on the road for kids, haven't mm -hmm. they? I mm -hmm. also hope that, you know, every day 500 children die on the road globally. Mm, that's horrific. Yeah. You put that, if that, every one of those was a lolly, you'd have a huge bag of lollies. Yeah. So I also hope there's a message in there, to, yeah. you know, that the Sams of this world that have a pigeon, a wounded pigeon in their shoebox, or might just something inside their head might click and say, this time, stop. Yeah. And look, because boy, the cars go fast. I'm yeah. all for them bringing that speed limit down in Auckland well, to 30. It's been done, so it's, They do go fast. Yeah, you're not wrong. Now, Phoebe Morrison has done an amazing Beautiful. job illustrating it. Mm. Um, so sensitive. Yeah. Did you give her free reign? Yeah, or, yes, I did. Or did, when she was sending you back the proofs, were you looking at it and going... Mm, no. The only person who did that was my granddaughter, Stella. On the last page, there's a picture of grown-up Rob with his yeah, granddaughter. Yeah. Stella said, I've only got three fingers. So I wrote that to Jenny, the publisher. That's how illustrators work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why all the Mickey Mouse and that. I know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. that's what Phoebe said. She fought that in good honour. It was the only challenge I yeah. gave her because I just thought the drawings are fantastic. They, I think, will reach kids because they're not sentimental. They're modern. They're edgy. They've got influenced by Japanese anime and also, uh, what's it called, uh, Stranger Things. Mm. Oh, I love Stranger Things. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah I really do. Yeah, that's yeah, no, good. Um, that's one thing I've found. I can't watch scary movies or violence. Uh, yeah, yeah. I find it hard. Oh, sometimes I can watch yeah, Unfortunately for some of us, it's an occupational hazard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it is what it is. Um, yeah, you've got she had, um, so she's got some great, uh, like you say, it's very 
modern, but there's also some great sort of 70s stylings yeah. on the clothes as well. Yeah. Like, and I know because I was a 70s kid, because yeah. I was looking at some of it and going, oh, I used to have a jumper like that. Yeah, yeah so. it's not lovely. And that's why she's got Stranger Things. I think that's it in that era. Yeah. yeah. So you said on your Instagram, I like cats, nature and quirks. Did which I, I think, yeah, you did. No. That was what you put. Either, okay. either that or Kate put it there for you. No, I, I put that there. Right, good. On. What do you think makes quirky people so appealing? Because I like quirky people as well. No, yeah. you see, I, oh, I could tell from listening to your podcast that you were okay, but I've been reading Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers, yes. and it starts with a cop shooting a black woman in Texas, yeah. and it's this thing, different cultures. He just he misread all these signs, and I thought cop is going to misread me. I had dinosaur no. earrings on this morning. I thought I'd take no. them off because I don't want the cop no. to think I'm weird. Don't care. Got a pink shirt. Don't a little care. bit too pink. I'm a pink shirt day ambassador for New Zealand, so I've <laughs> jogged on. An actual fact. So that's such, but as I was saying to yeah. you earlier, I think New Zealand cops are special. I wish they were the cops everywhere. I quite like New York cops. Yeah, they're good fun. Yeah, they are good fun. Yeah. Um, Scared Australian cops. Yeah, particularly when they uh, look and hear our accents and go, where are you from? Well, for you, and they say, are you from Australia? And which my answer was always, well, no, but you're from Canada, aren't you? Like, no, I'm American. I'm like, well, it's the same, same. thing. Same, oh, good on you. Um, now, you, you said, maybe I'll discover this. It isn't a terrifying full stop, but it's a return to the eternal mystery that is home. So I know that you've listened, so I always ask the eulogy question to wind up on. Oh, yeah, I forgot. So, the oh. day of reckoning's come for Helen, and she's in her coffin, and unlike that mischievous Irishman who, I don't know if you've heard about this or not, but he actually placed a tape recording of himself inside the coffin, saying, can somebody let me out, please? <laughs> uh, apparently happened quite recently. Um, what? And you're listening to your, your, your eulogy. What would you hope that people say about Helen? She had a good heart. Probably everyone says that, though. They do. Everybody yeah. says that she was a good heart, yeah. or that she had a good heart. Well, she listened. Yeah. I think you're a good listener. It's a rare thing. I'd like that. She listened. There you go. So, uh, if you are interested in Helen's amazing book, Cleo and Rob, uh, it was published 1st of October 2019, so you can get it. Uh, she's in New Zealand doing a whirlwind tour. Um, and I don't know, I was down in Wellington yesterday, saw the Unity books. Oh, did you? Front yeah, window. Phoebe made that up. Fantastic. Yeah. Really, really good. Oh. Uh, so you can follow Helen at www.helenbrown, that's all one word, .com .au. Uh She's on Instagram as Helen Brown Author. She's got some good Sky City fire pics in there as well, just quietly. <laughs> that was the journalist in me. Yeah, yeah I could tell. Terrible, yeah, like, and I thought, oh, no, stop it, stop it. Yep, yep. So, <laughs> You'd be no use to anybody. Uh, um, like I said, you've got a podcast called Novel Therapy, um, which We've when I... have got to get you together with Kate. She did want to come on this trip. There you go. Yeah. She should so come. I'm doing a, so doing a Skype call to you to say, oh, we let's that. talk about this from the other way around. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. And I'm encouraging any male listening to this podcast now, go and listen to Novel Therapy because you might <laughs> find out some things about women that you've never, oh. ever discovered before. Oh, I can't tell you. If I told you, then I'd be giving out a secret. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Goodness. Uh, yeah, so that was quite good. Yeah, person. yeah, so that was very good. So, Helen Brown, thank you very much for your time because I know how busy you are. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you for the amazing that you do. Um, and most importantly, thank you for talking about it because it's something that needs to be spoken about. Um, like I said before and like we said before we started, I'm in a role where I get to see it more often than most. 
it's something that we do need to talk about. Like you said about the leaf on the tree, it happens to the leaf on the tree, it's going to happen to us. We need to talk about it to normalise it like some other cultures do. Because if we don't, it's going to keep on being this terrible, terrible taboo. And people are going to think that they're on this journey alone, which when I read Cleo, I kind of got the impression that was what you felt like and that nobody had ever experienced that type of pain. And I'm not saying that your pain is the same as anybody else's, but now you know that there are lots of people who have experienced that pain. Mm. So it's important that we talk about it. So, and on that note... Can I have a hug? Oh, and will you let the siren off? Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss his next podcast.